Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Weightlifting Scoop. We're back with Cheryl Hayworth, multiple-time Olympian. I think uh, three to be exact. Is that right, Cheryl? You nailed it, man. I, I'm passing the test so far. So that's, that's a good thing. If I had messed up that, then uh, we should just start over. But uh, anyways, <laughs> All good. We, got, we got Andy in here. Uh, what's going on, buddy? Uh, man, just living the dream, getting home, beating the dogs, ready to talk to you fine people. Yeah, definitely. So excited to have Cheryl on. We had Cheryl on it's been like seven years now. So at the muscle, uh, muscle driver office, we had our podcast set up and it was like me, Glenn, I believe you and Stephen Powell, if I'm not, uh, mistaken. So I think you're right about that. <laughs> it's been basically, it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we were, uh, we were due to have Cheryl on the podcast and discuss weightlifting and, uh, you know, you've been doing the USAW podcast, so you've been podcasting a lot and, uh, that has a lot of great episodes. So, uh, maybe we'll ask you a couple questions about that and maybe some of the guests that you've had on, but, um, sure anyway. so one of, one of the most recent things you've done is you were, you know, you're three-time Olympian as an athlete, and then now you did some broadcasting at the Olympics. So let's just kind of, uh, chat about, um, the Olympics and, uh, and how, how this was like a different experience. Yeah, it was, first of all, thank you both for having me on the podcast. It's, it's an awesome podcast. I really enjoy it. Uh, so, so thanks. Uh, means a lot. And it's just good to see y'all's faces. You are two of my, what, two of some of my favorite people in USA weightlifting. Um, and I can say that with certainty. So thanks for being you. Uh, the Olympics was super cool. Now, I do want to clarify, a lot of people think that as broadcasters, um, we all go to Tokyo or where the Olympics are. Um, and actually, that's not the case. We were in Connecticut. Uh, NBC Olympics has their headquarters in Stanford. So it's where like 95% of, uh, you know, the broadcasting happens and whatnot, which is really incredible, actually, because all the images and sound and everything from Tokyo get to my ears in about five seconds. Uh, and if anybody has ever made a phone call from like Europe or Asia, you know, any, you know, I remember like in 1998, I, I called home from Bulgaria and I was like, Hey mom, I, I did pretty well. And at the time it would take like 10 seconds for her to answer me. Um, so I thought, you know, really the technology involved in, in being able to do that was actually incredible to be able to see how, uh, you know, the booths and, and really just how absolutely complicated it is. But um, so it was it was an experience, but I was in Connecticut. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with COVID, I, I hear one of my buddies was in Tokyo doing some broadcasting. Some of y'all might have heard her, uh, Michaela Breeze. She, uh, yeah, she was, she was totally miserable. So I was okay at the end of the day being there. Um, but I, I think the, the major differences, um, you know, some of y'all might've heard me on some of with, with a collection of other talented individuals uh, doing some commentary for like nationals or American Open and stuff like that. Um, and it's a lot of fun to see, you know, to go from the first lifter to the last lifter of the competition and sort of, tell stories along the way, uh, you know, about the individuals. They chop it up a little bit for editing, if anybody saw any of the Olympics. So uh, they were very, maybe 13 minutes, 16 minute segments and, and a lot of things sort of being crammed in there. So uh, maybe a little bit different looking and sounding and we had to sort of talk a little bit differently and keep it a little shorter. Uh, for for that type of broadcast uh, but like I said it was it was an absolute thrill it was a lot of fun I got to bump into uh, some really interesting people and you know it was it was a pleasure just to kind of be able to 
um, share my excitement about weightlifting and, um, you know, some of that enthusiasm with, with a, a big audience, really. Yeah, you definitely did a great job. I tuned into some of the primetime stuff, but like you were saying, Thanks, a lot man. of the, a lot of the diehards actually watch the live stream. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a difference. And so you're really commentating on primetime for folks who maybe haven't ever seen a snatch or a clean and jerk. So it's a totally different thing than getting into the nitty gritty and, um, you know, telling those stories of the lifters because they're going to chop it up and you're not exactly sure. I actually did not know that you were in Connecticut. Um, so that's, that's super interesting. Is it like that every Olympics or was that just because of COVID? I think it's like that every Olympics. Um, uh, I hear that it is absolutely jam packed, uh, you know, for like for Rio, for example, because the time changed uh, or there wasn't a time change uh, or it was very little. So there was a lot of action, a lot of prime time stuff happening in the building. Uh, because of COVID, it was a little more low key. Uh, there were people at Rockefeller Center. They had Telemundo Studios in Miami. So they spread out the commentators um, all over the country, whereas they would, they would have all been, or most of them, been there in Stanford. Um, and yeah, so, so I, don't, I don't know when they started doing that. For, for many years, though, it's been, uh, it's been there at the... Uh, uh yeah the headquarters there in Stanford. i thought i think i was going to add something else but i kind of lost the thought so i'll shut up now yeah walt walt jumped in here all of a sudden and uh so it, it threw us off a bit but uh we're excited hey what's up man <laughs> you know what yeah i'll blame it i'll blame it on that uh, it, man. Uh, I'll, I'll take yeah, all the blame that. on it <laughs> yeah, yeah i'll absolutely that. take hey, all good the blame. to see you likewise cheryl how are you i'm doing well good doing well good yeah, glad glad that you jumped on. Uh, but yeah, it switches the screen all around when you go from three to four. It, like everybody shuffles around, and you're like, "Whoa, what's going on?" Like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, "Oh, sweet Walt's on." <laughs> but, it's like uh, we're one big happy family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, see, there Andy goes away it's, now. It's so. wacky, but it works out in its own crazy way. Yeah, that's family for you. That's for dang sure. That's but, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows that, but uh, but yeah, so that's awesome. Um. As far as the commentating goes, I know it's like a different side of the Olympics and something that you haven't done. And it, it, I know that you you enjoy telling those stories. So is nationals uh, commentating for something like that almost like more fun because, you know, the people in depth and you can explain their story and go from start to finish of a session? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I storytelling is my is my favorite part about it. You know, so so some of the connections um, that I have with the athletes or being able to share some of the experiences, um, you know, training or having seen the, uh, the same athlete with the previous competitions, you know, oh, so-and-so, she uh, she tends to do this, but she's really, really good at doing this. And, and just, you know what I mean? Like just sort of bringing their personalities along with them to the platform because, I mean, weightlifting, as you all know, it's just absolutely full of very, very interesting people. And uh, I think I remember what I was going to say before um, in describing what it's like to, to commentate for just like a general audience. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to tell my joke again and say that it's like, I always pretend that I'm talking to like somebody's Mima, you know <laughs> what I mean? At a local event, you know, and she's like all horrified because she thinks her like grandbaby's going to get hurt, you know? <laughs> so just like calmly and quietly explaining like, this is normal. This is why we do this. And uh, you know, weightlifting is pretty cool. And, and then when you put yourself in that sort of a seat um, and sort of see it through that lens, it, it becomes like it is your first meet. And it's fun. And I feel all those like excited feelings again. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I, I've only got to do commentating on like a uh, you know, some of the USAW like nationals or American open after my session's over. And then somebody says, Hey, you should come in and help me out. And that's a lot of fun, especially if you know the people a lot and you can continue yeah. to talk through it. Like you're saying, um, sometimes it's actually really difficult if you don't know anyone, it's a session and weightlifting's grown so much that there's so many sessions where I genuinely don't know anybody anymore, which is so weird because back when, when, uh, you know, I first started lifting and you were still lifting and whatnot. Like the sport was so small, you know, it was like, you go to a meet and yeah. everybody lifts. And then afterwards you're kind of just hanging out in the lobby and you just, 
see everybody and everybody knows right. everybody and you know it doesn't mean you we all to... end up at the, at the same spot at the end of the meet you know catching up like it's like a family reunion basically yeah yeah so there's you know there's pros and cons to the growth there's definitely tons of pros but definitely in some ways you kind of miss that small town feel of what weightlifting used to be but um you know i think one of the things we want to dig into that uh we we've we kind of did this last time you were on, but since it's been seven years, we just want to talk to you about like, there's so many athletes that are, you know, uh, they're getting started, they're having success and, um, but uh, they really want to know how to have that breakthrough. And, and I know there's like no major secrets or anything, but uh, we'll just kind of start out by what's your basic advice to folks getting into the sport, you know, since it's growing so fast and there's so many people that have aspirations of optimizing their potential. Basic advice for optimizing potential for somebody just getting into the sport. Um, I mean, I think I think we all here uh, realize and value um, what what it means to have a, a good coach, right? Um, it, it makes a huge difference, uh, you know, not only in um, expertise and all that stuff and sort of bring you along and building you up and educating you. I think it's important to, to choose a coach who uh, wants to share knowledge with you. So that's side advice for selecting a coach. You know, there, there aren't secrets, you know what I mean? A, a coach should be an open, honest person willing to, to explain things to you if, if you're curious about them um, because it's going to make you a better athlete. Um, but you know, so aside from the obvious, having a good coach, I think, um, keeping it simple, uh, and focusing on the basics. So, so more is not always better. Um, I, I think, I think people get into the sport who are just there, they're ready to go and, and really have uh, respectable backgrounds as, as athletes in other sports and, and maybe even not get, you know, high level professionals who are like, let's do this, just got into athletics, let's go. Um, and, and who just want to do too much too soon. Um, I'm always trying to convince my lifters that it's okay uh, to, to make the, the focus quality and, and not what is on the bar you know I was never one of those athletes who the coach turned their back and I'd be sliding more weight on the bar I mean maybe that it's also just the in my personality just to kind of somewhat do what I'm told you know what I mean I, I certainly make my opinion known about things but I wasn't I, I never wanted to feel um the physical sensation of failure. Like I always got, I got really, really good knowing exactly where that was and not trying to, I was okay with, for example, you know, if I'm doing heavy doubles and it feels like garbage one week and the next week, that same weight felt a little bit easier. I was okay with that. Uh, I was okay with, with doing what I did and knowing that I did it really, really well in the way I wanted it to be executed and just being a little stronger next week and or next month and then just adding the weight to the bar or unleashing all of it on the competition platform, which is what it was for. But the more I think about it, it, it really did help um, because what you then do is when you go into the gym and you train like that, and, and you're not taking 10 cracks at a PR in the gym, which means really nothing. Uh, not, I mean, it doesn't mean nothing, just in the context of um, perhaps competition, you know, to be really specific. It, it, it is meaningful, but, but taking 10 tries, um, it undermines your confidence. It, it makes your body do, it makes your body compensate, compensate for those misses. So when, uh, because I didn't do that, when I would go to a competition and it would be, okay, this is a five kilo PR. Um, good thing I just make snatches <laughs> or make cleans, you know, conditioned and trained to be successful uh, and not remember all the times that, that it bit me in the ass. You know what I mean? It's just a better, it's a better way to approach it. Um, 
and, and I think it's really valuable um, to do it that way because it, it makes it more simple and you'll see, you'll see the result. Um, and, and that just one of those sort of intangible things I think that, that people maybe don't think about as often as they should. Yeah, I agree. A couple things in there that I kind of want to highlight and, and dig into is one, you, you said like celebrate your small wins, you know, and just simply saying last week I was doing a workout that was kind of a grind this week. I have the same, essentially very similar workout and it feels easier. That's a small win. You know, it's not about a PR necessarily. You just know that you're being prepared for that PR because you're getting just a little better. Right. And um, also one of the things that, that you said is I think the culture of weightlifting before technology existed and marketing was a big part of it is that you did just kind of trust your coach. You know, when I first started with CJ, it was like, okay, like he's, he's the coach in my area. He's taken people and they've won national championships and stuff. And like, he knows what he's doing. And I feel like now that the internet exists and there's so many videos and people like hype their team up so much, um, they, they kind of, uh, they explore, which is good because knowledge is out there, but sometimes there is multiple ways to do things. So there can be two good coaches that have two different approaches. It doesn't make one of them inherently wrong. Um, but I think sometimes yeah, people have a hard time finding that trust. Do you see that in, in weightlifting culture? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, weightlifting culture is sort of, um, you know, it's shifting and morphing a little bit because like you mentioned earlier with the, you know, the influx of so many uh, different kinds of athletes and just popularity overall. Um, so there are some, some weird things about, about that. And um, a lot of, it's, it is really easy to get distracted by, um, you know, by other coaches, other places. And I, I think and, and I don't know if people sort of jump around more with coaches um, or they always did that. And we just didn't, we just didn't notice, but um, because you, you bring up and, and you're right, just to highlight the point that you made that um, there are, there are tons of amazing uh, coaches out there with completely different styles um, and philosophies. And in my opinion, even the ones who teach differently than me, in some ways still teach the same things that I teach you know what I mean at the end of the day I, I think we all teach virtually the same uh the same way and there are differences um but the fundamentals uh I believe I believe to make a successful weightlifter are, are all virtually going to be the same um but you're, you brought up social media. I'm not so sure. I definitely wouldn't have had an Instagram account as uh, like a high level Olympic competitor. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you guys thought about that, but if you're it, like to be um, somebody who has, uh, you know, like 50 or 100,000 followers and also trying to compete and do all these things and deal with sort of the, the feedback and stuff like that from people who want to be so nasty to one another, please. There's no way I would. Y'all would just have to like text me the old fashioned way to find out how I was doing or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> or maybe that's just me. It just seems so stressful. It's stressful now and I'm not important. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole other thing that, that these folks have to deal with. It's um, interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting thing because you kind of have to create this persona online if, if, if you want to be a weightlifter for a living, essentially, which is kind of what it's turned into. Um, it, it's a way to make money so you can optimize your social media and, 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 you know, make some money and that that wasn't as much of a thing aside from stipend back in the day. So uh, there's definitely reasons to do it but it can be stressful. It can be frustrating. You can get cyber bullied and, you know, and, and even if you're not like, uh, say like people are co constantly commenting positive things, but then all of a sudden you're getting less interest, then that can be stressful. You know, you just get so stuck yeah. and it just gets crazy. And it's really just like this pointless thing. That's just a, a black hole of nothingness. Like, why do we care about it? <laughs> yeah it's really interesting and I get like 
you know, I, I struggled as an athlete to have money, um, even when I was doing my very, very best. Uh, so it's tough. You know, there is that factor, you know, would I not do it if it generated X amount of cash? Um, you know, it, it's hard to say, but um, I do know I probably wouldn't have looked at it. You know what I mean? I would have had somebody else take pictures of me and, put, you know, I can find somebody like my, even if it's my mom uh, or my coach, whomever that would have been. But um, I can, I can say with, with confidence that I probably looked at it it would have been yeah it would have for me personally it would have been stressful. not yeah. that anybody cares about this <laughs> hypothetical but well you got it now so you got to start posting some more training videos i know <laughs> i know i know no excuses now <laughs> but yeah as far as fundamentals go and technique and stuff like you said everyone's basically teaching the same things if you could pick like the top three things that that people are consistent on what do you feel like that would be Hmm. Consistent on, uh, you mean among the, the good teachers of weightlifting? Right, um, right. I would say that, uh, you know, in the, in the start position, uh, the fundamentals of like mid foot pressure, do you know what I mean? Um, I think that's pretty universal uh and again there's some debate about that and um i would i would definitely like have a beer and have that discussion but i think a basic fundamental i think that's sort of a universal thing that's taught um another basic gosh you said three I was I was gonna say keeping the bar close is my keep okay thank you keeping the bar close <laughs> uh oh this is hard um I would say that probably generally overhead external rotation in that position though some people I mean though it does end up depending on your mobility being somewhere but I would say that sort of the ideal situation um is internal rotation at the start external rotation overhead um uh palms facing the ceiling front rack fundamentally across your clavicles teaching the split jerk i think is really really important um if you're trying to lift the most weight um i don't know i think those are those are you put me on the spot there i was like man do i know how to teach or coach weightlifting do I know <laughs> right now because I started to think of all these things and I'm like is that a basic is that am I going to start a fight right now you got me all stressed out yeah we're going to come through the computer <laughs> and just start a fight That's right we're, we're coming at I'm going to just cry <laughs> and my phone's going to drop I'm just going to hear my door slam my face gonna, is a pillow we're going to hashtag Mark Ripito all over this and uh, get you in a debate with him Oh, please do. That would be fun. <laughs> Talk about making somebody cry. I'm joking. <laughs> well, no, I would in a heartbeat. Because <laughs> you know what I would do? Because you know what I would do? I would do this. I would go, you know what? I respect you. But I was a weak as piss weightlifter. Everybody out squatted, deadlifted me. Everybody out pressed me. And I still lifted more than everybody else. And I'm defaulting to what? those fundamentals and my own technique that allowed for a weak person who had good speed and better mobility to lift way more than ladies who later got popped who were like six feet tall. So that's it's, what I was I the exact opposite. What's that? I was the exact opposite. So strong, I was, right? I was, I was strong, but I couldn't beat anybody in weightlifting. It's crazy. It literally is like, no, but, but see, but like, oh my God, now I feel like I'm picking on you, man. No, uh, but, but strong, but strong was like, but it was one of those things that I always wanted, right? Like I would look at guys like you and go, how, how, how is that? Like, if I went to the gym right now, like I will watch guys like full on retire. I wouldn't see him for five years and they come in the gym 
and they'd be doing like 70%. And I'm like, how is it even possible? I literally, if I started squat, squat cycle today, I'd have to start with like a little more than the bar. You know what I mean? And I'd have to go real slow about it. And like, you know, so the movements were okay for me and the positioning and stuff like that. But I had to, I had to earn that strength. So I, at the end of the day, I'm actually a little jealous is what I'm really talking about. <laughs> Seriously, like I would go over to like Jackie Burby's racks and be like, can I do presses with you, Jackie, please, ma'am? You know, Jackie's like 58 kilos and I'm super on the team. But like she's doing more weight than me. And I'd slide weight off the bar and do presses with her, but I could out jerk everybody in the gym, you know, to make any sense. Unless, unless the technique was okay at least, right? Yeah. So otherwise, yeah. So that's why weightlifting's so cool though, you know, and you know, we can kind of sort of pick those things apart and you know, and there are a lot of things that I'm not snobby about, like that you know we we can have debates and stuff like that but i think probably if i am gonna die on a hill it would probably be the jerk one you know so, what i mean so explain that oh uh well just meaning <laughs> that uh just meaning that like i always made them i only i i never bombed out in a competition i only missed one jerk ever mm-hmm. and i added weight and i made the next one it was weird i don't even know what happened so um, but upper body strength really could have been a lot better. Um, and these things too, like, these are all things that, that should have been better, you know, in my training, these are holes in my training. I should have been stronger. It should have been, should have been, um, things that I, that I worked on. Um, but also in a weird way, evidence that, that the efficiency was there because I, I always, always, always made them with no, I mean, I'd wet my pants most of the time coming out of heavy clean. And then everybody would just be like, I'm just going to make a jerk, <laughs> you know, every, every single time. Uh, and, and as a coach now, I do see the commonalities between people who, uh, cause you want to, you want to you know, sort of give yourself affirmation and go, am I crazy? Or how did it work? Or what happened? How did this thing happen? Because uh, I'm now trying to teach people how to jerk, right? So I, I have to articulate all this. Um, but being being in a situation where I'm doing commentary or, or sitting in that chair gives me a lot of really great time to sort of make guesses and see, and, and oh, that person, let's see how successful they continue to be with this, or if they confirm my suspicions and go, that's not gonna work for very long, or, um, you know, the commonalities between the people who are, in fact, uh, successful. And, you know, I, I think it does, um, uh, yeah, I get, I get a little snobby about the jerk. If, if you're trying to jerk the most that you can jerk, um, I think, I think I, I figured out an, an okay way to do it, but it is hard. It is a hard thing to, to get good at. It's a hard thing to, um, uh, to explain, you know what I mean? And, and it is a little confusing, but, but I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a misunderstood lift. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, weightlifting is so gymnastic that like there's, it's part of it's a circus trick almost. Like if you have a good technique, you can lift above your strength level, for instance, like, for sure. uh, and in, in the same way that if you're holding a handstand and you're not in the perfect position, it's like so much energy, you're like, Oh, 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 you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, seriously. It's, it's exactly, it's very, very much the same. But if you're in, in the right spot, it's like, you know, you can just hang out there perfectly straight forever and and you see people who are good at it and it's like effortless because they're in the right position so same thing with weightlifting but you know your weightlifting career it had like every piece right you started young you had like amazing success uh as a junior your multiple time junior world champion um you also had injuries that you've had to fight through and you also had longevity so I think, you know, you have like an interesting story to tell and kind of understand like, you know, what is it like to be a kid where you're having so much success and there's so much hype behind you? Like, how do you deal with that pressure? And, and uh, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, kids like CJ and Harrison and then Hampton Morris today ended out uh, winning the, the Youth World Championships and breaking some records. I like, saw that. I <laughs> yeah. just saw that. 
so happy. Go Hamp. Oh my gosh. I, lo- I love that <laughs> kid so much. Yeah. So that was awesome. So shout out to him for that. But uh, yes, yes, definitely. Now, when, but when you were in that position, like, how did you deal with the pressure and, and, and like, did you feel that pressure, even though the sport wasn't as big and like, cause, cause you were an Olympian at what age for 17 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. And that was only because like weightlifting was just an Olympic sport for women in 2000. So, um, you know, you, you had come up and done some great things even before that. So, um, what's your advice to like kids out there and how to deal with that pressure? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's an excellent question. And as you were saying that, I was thinking back to um, to why I was just like social media as a weightlifter, because I do remember it was really, really stressful. Um, some of the time I remember the year leading up to the Olympics in 1999, I think I took a trip to Manhattan like 10 times that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like doing the media stuff and and that's why like I was thinking like social media on top of that maybe it would be sort of just an extension of that but um yeah it was chaos a lot of it was a blur um I do I do remember some at some points just growing really really frustrated and saying I don't I don't want to go anywhere I just need to be here and drink for a minute being super stressed out but you know for the most part it just it's like it started and it ended so so quickly you know and and you do understand that it's um it's cyclical it's gonna come it's gonna go I mean we were we were getting ready to have um women in the Olympics for weightlifting for the first time it was exciting there were a lot of amazing women uh who paved the way for me um you know Ursula Robin Bird go to just name a few and and those were the women sort of I I saw a lot um just real quick who are incredible but they you know what I mean it was uh there was a lot of this excitement attached to that um it was an historic uh moment so in you know media does what they do they really got it you know got excited on our behalf so I mean, I did, I broke the American record live on Regis and Kathy Lee uh, in 1999. That's very um, cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's one of those weird things that I forget that I did, but I actually did. And I don't know if it, I don't think it actually officially counted, but there were judges there. So originally it was going to count, but I don't know. Um, you know, I was, I was like 16 or 15, 16. Um, but yeah, it was 135 kilos, I think. And it was the first time I tried it. And it was the first time that the American record would have been mine. Because I think the original one was like 132.5 kilos. To say something about how long ago that was and how far women's weightlifting has come, that was the heaviest American any American uh, had ever clean and jerked up to that point, but I went out there live on TV and clean and jerked it. Uh, and the idea of doing that, like even later in my career would have given me a full on panic attack. So there's something to be said for being a kid and being like, what, well, okay, let's do it. You know, and like, <laughs> not really understanding the, you know, the full gravity of what's happening to you. Um, which is pretty much the only reason any of that got done. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I am grateful for the experience, Um, but it was, yeah, it was pure chaos. And I don't know if I have any advice to, well, I mean, I guess I do. I mean, families are important, right? I always had my sisters tell me I was being like a jerk face or like, um, you know what I mean? Like keep me grounded and remind me that I was just their sister, uh, and my parents and, um, uh, the, you know, the people who, who keep it real for you. They're very, very important. Um, and sometimes those are friends. Like I had a lot of friends who didn't care about weightlifting. <laughs> Most of my friends were, and no, I had tons of friends in the gym, obviously. We traveled together, we hung out constantly. We saw each other every day training. 
but the rest of but unless I was in that environment none of my friends like I'd get back from like winning the junior worlds and my friends would just be mad that they had to sit next to somebody different at lunch you know what I mean <laughs> uh and so we would just pick right back up on whatever it was and and I think balance is really really important um and that was one of the ways that I tried to achieve that um and I did art you know so it was like an art kid so so I think you know I think as long as you're keeping your interests balanced you know I did too much weightlifting too soon I do know that um I over specialized way 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 too fast because I was good, I was talented. So I could, you know, um, I could snatch a lot and clean and jerk a lot. And that was, that was the only concern uh, at the time. And that's all I did all the time. And uh, my uh, major regret is that uh, I was told that I was just gonna lift weights. And I accepted that. Uh, we accepted that everybody in my life, you know, we didn't, you know, we know a lot more than we, uh, than we did then you know, so you live and learn, but that, that is my advice to particularly younger athletes. You're going to get strong. You're going to get strong, learning the proper technique, maintaining good mobility, doing other fun stuff with your body. Um, you know, you have many, many years, twenties, thirties, forties to keep getting strong if you play your cards right. So, so I think, um, being patient probably um, is is key, you know. And and you mentioned I had longevity. I mean, I guess I you know I did compete in three Olympic games, but I also was like done when I was twenty five. Because way way too young to be done. I wasn't. I was never ever as strong as I could have been. I snatched one hundred and thirty kilos when I was twenty. It blew my elbow out, and I never snatched that much again. Absurd. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I should have been snatching 145 kilos before it was all done with and clean and jerking, you know, 170, 80 plus. Well, maybe not 80 plus. That's, that seems pretty heavy, but uh, I could have jerked it probably. Yeah, of course. I've seen you jerk 170 multiple times. So at the OTC, so, I mean, you definitely had, had plenty of jerk there, but, uh, in terms of uh, the next thing I was going to ask about is like dealing with injuries. And you kind of like, you know, already said there at junior worlds one year, you had 130 on the bar and your, your elbow blew out. And obviously that was a pretty traumatic experience because I, at least from looking at your records and my understanding up to that point, your career was kind of a storybook. Um, like everything's going right. You're winning junior worlds multiple times. You're, you know, on all these TV shows, like you've won an Olympic medal, um, tell us what that was like and, and how you kind of fought back to, uh, to get back to the platform and stay motivated. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really, really tough. You know, when I think when I blew my elbow out, um, that was probably one of the easier injuries that I had to deal with, uh, in a weird way. I mean, it hurt. Uh, I remember I said, ow, really loud, grabbed my elbow and I was off the damn stage before anybody knew what happened. I was, I was, I was down the stairs and like sitting in a chair trying not to pass out, but, um, I had a great surgeon. Um, I did tear the radial collateral ligament hundred percent and the ulnar collateral ligament hundred percent. Um, so I, I blew it out. Uh, but the surgeon, Dr. Jim Andrews, thank you, sir. It feels great. Um, but it was, it was scary and it, and it did require like, I think, I think the surgeon really, you know, because he was, he was the guy who he did John Smoltz's elbow mm-hmm. and like, you know, Roger Clemens. And so he's the elbow guy. So I'm very grateful for him, but it was also, it was acute. It required a repair. We knew that. Um, uh, so it, there was something a little bit simple um, to that, you know, and I, I did have some nagging back injuries beginning in like 1999 actually before the world championships in Athens Greece um that we had and that that injury that I had that um was probably the one that ended ultimately my career because I I didn't really learn to manage my back pain until my I was basically couldn't deal with the, the pain of it anymore do you know what I mean so like 
yeah getting a little strong and then something happening because it you know the back the lower back stuff started to um I would start to have a lot of pain in my hip you know I ended up having hip surgery um so it was sort of a it was a a an interesting experience to, to have that first devastating injury. Um, but I, I would say that, yeah, it was the reason why my career ended when it did and, and went downhill um, was because, I mean, it was a couple of things, but it was, it had a lot to do with um, over specializing and really just not taking the time to build a proper infrastructure for myself and learning really what that meant a little bit too late when I was, I was finally just so exhausted emotionally um, that the idea of even if everything went well for a year or two uh, emotionally couldn't handle another setback. So, um, so yeah, I switched gears completely, but, uh, but you know what it, you know, you kind of mentioned before my career had a very interesting, like it, it had all the things in it, you know what I mean? It had like, uh, it's triumphant bits and it had like the agonizing defeats where I was just the most sad I ever was in my life. But, um, it's exactly why, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting human experience. Uh, it does feel like somebody else did all that, especially <laughs> when I see a bar loaded to 130 kilos or something like that. And I'm like, there's no way. I feel like you're all lying to me that I, that I actually um, could pick that up at any point, snatch or clean and jerk. But um, yeah, it's just, it, I'm grateful for it, but it does it feel like somebody else, but it's also, you know, these things I can share with the people I interact with when I teach when I um, coach, you know, uh, when I have somebody, even if it's a local meet or whatever, like, yo, you know, it's, this is as stressful as it gets, you know, let's, uh, you know, I, I see Andy here coaching at all the meets. Sometimes he's stuck with my athletes too, because so, they can't get my hands off the microphone. Uh, so appreciate you coach, but uh, it's very satisfying to be able to share calmness to be able to share experience to be able to say you know what I know you're super stressed out right now but you know what it's going to be fine and I know that for sure because of this you know and sort of just um um sharing some of that confidence that that I had on the platform most of the time and uh or at least teaching them how to pretend you know yeah so one of one of the things you mentioned is like your over specialization too early was uh you feel like it kind of caused some of these injuries or maybe didn't cause them, but it didn't, it didn't help protect you from them. Is that fair to say? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I was a really, really active kid, you know, so I didn't, it did help that I had an okay um, background. Like I did all the things, you know, um, growing up. So that helped. I wasn't just a kid coming off the couch, but you know, I, I remember it was softball season, you know, when I went into the gym um, to train for the first time and I continued to, to play with that team a little bit. And again, I'm a 13 year old kid, 14 year old kid, but I remember I, um, uh, I tweaked my hip flexor swinging real hard for a ball. And it was right before uh, the world team trials in 1997, I believe it was Boise, Idaho. And coach was like, okay, that's it. And, you know, no more softball. And then I, you know, I couldn't, I, I wasn't allowed to do any of the things ever. You know, I come in the gym, I snatched heavy, I clean and jerked heavy, I pulled heavy and I squatted heavy. You know, core work was get a, a plate and do some crunches, uh, you know, and not, not, not a ton else, um, truly. So I, uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity missed there, but I will say that that I don't know how incredibly differently other youth trained up until that point. Um, 
we do know more, but you know, there's definitely some some regrets there and wishing that I could have done it differently. But you know, you can't, you can't, you can just you can just get on a, a really awesome podcast and make a recommendation once you're once you're all <laughs> retired and stuff. Well, I think, you know, it's it's easy to also go back and dissect it and say, hey, here's all the shortcomings of of my training and whatnot. But at the same time, like anybody would be like, hey, I I would hope to have the career that Cheryl's had. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> right. Like, um, you can only you know, bitch so hard over here. So, so there is some of that that, you know, you obviously did a, a lot of things right, too. So it's it's um and, and did a good job at optimizing your potential based on your strength because you were very efficient. And so like you, you did do a good job of, of getting to that point, but just kind of, unfortunately, eventually, as you get so strong, everybody deals with some sort of injury. Um, hopefully it's not severe enough to like end your career or have surgery, but a lot of times that's what it comes down to. You know, it's a brutal sport. It's a tough sport. Yeah. Um, but coming back from that injury, like how do you mentally get yourself in a space to say, Hey, I want to go to the Olympics again. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just so determined at that point because training, like you said, had been going really well. I actually weighed less than 130 kilos that meet too. So it was been my first and only time snatching over body weight. The universe disallowed it. Uh, <laughs> I know it was like some, you know, there was a glitch somewhere and it just wasn't supposed to happen, but, uh, it was the year before the Olympics and it was my, that would have been my third junior worlds that I had won in a row um I I mean I was in pretty good shape that meet I was expecting to clean and jerk 160 plus kilos um didn't get to clean and jerk obviously because I blew my elbow out but it was a foregone conclusion at that point that I was because I had already done most of the quad right so it was just a matter of and we knew the elbow injury right so you get it fixed up. You are delayed uh, a little bit in the upper body, but you could still squat. I remember I squatted and I squatted and I squatted and I squatted and I got very, very strong. Um, I think that might've been the squat cycle where I front squatted 190 kilos, which was the most I ever approached. And that never got close ever again. But um I did have a deficit from the floor and I had a deficit in, you know, just overall strength in the legs. So um, it wasn't an issue qualifying for the next Olympics. Like less than a year later, um, I won the nationals again. And then we had, uh, yeah, because I think it was like July, I blew out my elbow uh, in Mexico. It was June, I think it was July. And then, you know, we had the nationals, which is usually in the spring, if I'm not mistaken, or late spring. And then the Olympic trials sometime in the sum early summer, possibly. So it was the, you know, the recovery was quick. Uh, it did take some persuading myself in the overhead position, particularly in the snatch, mm. um, to trust my elbow. Uh, it's a really hard, even though it was strong and everything like that, it would, it caused me to sort of hesitate a bit. Um, until I decided, I was like, you're either going to snatch or you're not going to snatch. If you blow your elbow out again, it happens. You just do all the things to try and not make it happen. And, you know, don't snatch like an idiot. So that's what I decided to do. And my first attempt at the Olympics in 2004, I snatched the crap out of 125 kilos and I injured my right elbow. So the left elbow was the elbow that I blew out. And I hurt my, cause I had swung the bar around. I power snatched. It was the lightest snatch I've ever felt in my whole life. And um, I immediately hurt my elbow in my first attempt in the snatch in Athens and I scratched. And then I came out and um, made my clean and jerks. Felt okay on the clean and jerk because the more narrow grip or whatever. Uh, but I wasn't happy about that. Um, so I did, the meat didn't turn out the way I wanted to, but, but recovering from that particular injury, like I said before was, um, it actually, you know, there were some things that I, I could work on, right. That's what you got to do though. When you're, you're in a situation where you can't do one thing, you can always do something, you know, there's something that you can, uh, you know, some deficit somewhere in your training that you, you know what, I can't do X, but you know what, I can dedicate a lot of time to Z, you know, which is what's been 
uh, bugging all along. Just go ahead and fix it up, you know. So I drilled down on the squats and the picking, picking heavy things up from before. If anybody's ever seen me lift weights, everything looks like a heavy deadlift, including snatches. So <laughs> it was it was useful. Can she get it past her knees? If she can, she has a chance. <laughs> oh lord yeah that's true so you know strength isn't everything but at the same time you know strength adds a little bit of durability and uh oh, and oh, uh it definitely if you're super efficient like you were then that strength can kind of be the thing that puts you over the top and, and kind of allows you to to get those uh prs or recover or you know stay strong while you're not able to do snatches and clean jerks at the yeah. least but, um... and longevity you know what i mean like you know the like the four of us sitting here you know the older i get the more i realize that being able to squat down and stand up without having people pick you up is uh really kind of awesome you know what i mean as my parents age and stuff and the stronger you are uh you know the better off you're gonna be so you know respect to weightlifting for just making us strong people right it's kind of cool yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, while you guys have been a little quiet, you guys want to jump in a little bit? I was just going to add that uh, they do say that uh, strong legs and a strong squat is an indicator for a long life. So it yeah. definitely goes with that as well. I mean, I guess you're less likely to, you know, break a hip or get hurt and, uh, you know, get around a little bit longer. So definitely, uh, definitely, you know, that's what's the old saying, you're harder to kill, right? The stronger you are, the harder you are to kill there you go so that's definitely a good thing um and then uh yeah no that's it no um, you're absolutely right I, I i hang my hat on that man like you know i i think it's i think it's like one of the coolest parts about weightlifting man just kind of being able to do your own thing and just be strong like like i remember finishing or like if i take time off and going through a training cycle for the first time in a while like that first moment you're like oh i'm stronger than i was before you know, you're picking up groceries, you're doing whatever, you're like, oh, feeling stronger. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think, I think Cheryl, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about, um, you know, there's always something you can do. It doesn't matter what you have ailing you. Um, there's always something you can do, you know, you blow out a hip or a knee, you can do pressing, you can sit down and, and do something like that. You can do pull-ups and things like that, you know, um, can't do your upper body work you can get real strong pulling and squatting. Um, and I think a lot of people lose track of that. So I'm glad you actually said it, touched on it because you've dealt with some major injuries and, you know, lifted some massive weights and uh, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. Th I mean, thanks. It's, you know, in when we're talking about like, um, you know, as coaches and stuff, like trying to keep people on track and, and think about our own careers and, uh, you know, because y'all asked me that question, it just, it, it really, um, it, it was really one of those ways that I, that I did stay on track. You got to take that energy, you just have to redirect it, right? You know, you can only get so mad for so long. Um, swimming against the tide was never something I was really into, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, you can't, I can't make my elbow just be better and, and force it along, but I, I can do other things with the energy and, and the time that I have. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember my, like when my hip was bugging me and my SI joint would kind of, you know, twist weird and I would have an issue. I'd, like if a day like that happened, I would just go straight to the bench press or, you know, or, just mm -hmm. do some presses or whatever. Like I, I wouldn't like completely leave the gym. Um, and I think it's important to a lot of times people completely rest when they tweak something. So say like you tweak your ret your wrist or your elbow or something like if it's not a real injury, like the injury, like you had, you obviously can't move. You have to get surgery. But I think that even if you can push press 50 kilos the next day, but you can't do jerks or anything like that's better than doing nothing. You're getting blood flow. You're teaching your body to do the movement again. So yeah, I think those things are really important when you deal with inevitable pain and minor injuries, obviously major injuries, you legitimately have no choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So you get out of that hospital gown and get yeah. back into the gym. Man. I remember after my hip surgery though, they had, uh, they had, they wheeled a bike in and it was like two hours. Like I had just, I was still groggy and nauseous. I thought they were joking. Like, no, you got to get on the bike now. 
So according to them, it was like no no rest for the weary man. But uh, but yeah, hundred percent, hundred. Speaking about that, so my coach Ben Green, I know that you know who he is, Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl. Absolutely. Um, he did a double hip recently, right? Um, in the last three or four years, and they had him up and walking in a matter of hours at seventy five years old or something. Crazy. Yeah, like this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's a tough old guy, man. He gets at it. Wow. I, I didn't realize he had a double hip replacement. You know, I think I, I think I knew that he had a hip replacement. I don't know why I would know that, but I think I did. But dubbed at the same time, man, you know what? That's probably why I know that. I just forgot the double part. Somebody mentioned it. That's incredible. How's he doing now? He's good. I'm, uh, I haven't been, been down in a few weeks, but uh, I'm going down this Sunday. I'm excited to see him. Yeah, I hear that, you know, though it's um, some, of, some of the aches and pains people have off, you know, sometimes you get the hip replacement. I've heard people just like virtually going back to like the stuff that they, they used to do, you know what I mean? So hopefully he's feeling a lot better. And I know you said it's been a couple of years, but that's, that's good. That's good. Mobility is important. Yeah. Yep. Hip mobility and strong legs. So, uh, Anyways, we've been on for a, for almost an hour. It's been a, been a great episode. Um, do you want to end it with any advice for people or a funny story that you, that is uh, that you can tell on air or you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> that I can tell on air? Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, maybe maybe not a funny story. Dang, I wish you would have told me that sooner, man. um unless you can think of one i know we've been to some places together i'm sure you have i'm sure you have a funny story about me that i don't even know i'm like when did i do that how drunk was that (laughs) um no but it's i mean it's really been it's been a pleasure you guys are awesome uh it's it's an awesome podcast uh thank you for having me on and i just you know um weightlifting's pretty cool and and i will say that i'm not so sure i appreciated it when i was an actual weightlifter as much as i do now and connecting with community and a lot of the old faces from the old school that are still doing you know the good work and really really changing people's lives by being awesome and good coaches and into um you know sharing information right which is what this podcast is about right like just just being able to to share ideas and and give a community out there and, and, and allow people to feel accepted. I think it's important because uh, weightlifting school and people are cool. So uh, thanks for having me and let me know if y'all ever need anything, man. And I hope we, uh, I, maybe, uh, you know what? We need to have you guys on our podcast. Chad and I are going to have one tomorrow, but uh, you know, we should go ahead and schedule it. And I said that while we we're recording. So you guys, um well, proof. About, but i want to put you on the spot you know you know what i mean it's hard to say no school strategy but uh, no i seriously i appreciate it i'll let you guys go we've been talking for a while but you're awesome keep doing what you do man yeah well thank you very much i mean i think we would all love to be on the usaw podcast if the if the schedules worked out um that'll be rad and of course, you know, everybody loves hearing stories from you and your experience. And, you know, every time you talk about it, it comes from a different uh, perspective. So, you know, you're like a legend in this sport, multiple time Olympian, like junior world champion, all those amazing things. So a lot of uh, knowledge there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ditto. Hey, you guys, you guys are absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Tell us, tell people where they can find you on social media. I know that uh, you have mixed emotions about it, but tell us, tell us where they can follow you. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. After I, I talked all that trash, um, you can follow <laughs> me at Hayworth Weightlifting. Uh, and, you know, I do try to get on there more because it is about, you know, just sharing the, the fun stuff about weightlifting, letting people know I'm out there, letting people know that y'all are out there. And you could also follow um uh the usa weightlifting podcast and i think that's at usaw podcast but um <laughs> that's so funny i was like oh yeah i guess i do have to like say the, the instagram thing huh um but you know i appreciate it and just holler at me if you need anything. i'm always around yeah andy where can people find you buddy uh you can find me on instagram at coach.andyc also running the all south barbell instagram at all south barbell and Facebook, All South Barbell Club. Well, 
Uh, you can find me at Walt Neubauer on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, also Rising Tide WL and Wilmington Weightlifting Club. Run all that stuff. Awesome. Well, for those of you out there, you can find me at Travis Cooper 77 kg. You know, this was Cheryl Hayworth, multiple time Olympian. Uh, check her out on the USAW podcast with Chad Vaughn, also a multiple time Olympian. Um, so they have a lot of uh, good guests that uh, you can check out and learn more about the community. So, uh, and then of course the regular guys and myself. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Let us know if you have any questions, topics you'd like us to cover, folks that you'd like to see on the podcast, like we're able to get Cheryl on, you know, maybe we can reach out and be lucky enough to, to score your favorite weightlifter, weightlifting personality or coach. So uh, have a good one, guys. We'll be back next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.